Good morning. So um, I'm fully aware that um, in the natural, some people are probably... Who's, who's had a rough week? I've had a rough week. Uh, and, uh, and some people are going through some, you know, stop the world, I want to get off seasons, you know. I, I really relate to that song at times in my life, really. It's just a totally secular song. But uh, also, God is still God in heaven. You know, so we just want to celebrate Julie being back with us and, you know, had a couple of major operations, so that's fantastic. We've also had um, a couple of baptisms this week for those who don't know. So, so God is still God. Is God moving in heaven? And so last week, for those who weren't here, we spoke on Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added onto you. And we did a little workshop, especially for Heather, because Heather loves workshops. And um, and uh, we did uh, uh, yeah, <laughs> we did another one, Heather, just for you this week. And um, and uh, you know we spoke on that, and we did a workshop on what is it to seek, what is a kingdom, and and righteousness. And we just referred briefly to a couple of prophecies in Jeremiah, one in 23 and 133, where it prophesies that the Messiah will be the righteousness of God. So when it, we think seeking his righteousness is about good behaviour and behaving right and remembering to read the Bible and pray enough and you know, not swear at the kids and whatever else you're not supposed to do, actually it's got nothing to do with that because we, we can never be good enough. We will never be good enough. So seeking his righteousness means seeking Jesus. Simple as that. So that's what we, we did last week. There were some really good responses from among, among the different groups. We had about five groups. And um, the first point that was made about the kingdom is that it is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. That's really what the kingdom of God is. So whenever and wherever that exists and where it is expressed, it means that the kingdom of God is present. So we, yes, we are talking essentially about a spiritual kingdom, but that's not the end of the story. And so we looked at it being an actual place. was really glad for that response. It's a place where God resides and where he rules. It's a blessing wherever it exists. It's where King Jesus rules. And I remember David's group saying it's a lifestyle that is not of this world. And then we had that really fancy word. It's a realm. We're going to say a little bit more about that. How do we seek the kingdom? I was really impressed and challenged myself with the response that we do so on our knees. One group said that we do it on our knees and in prayer. Through Jesus, we put God first at all times. We read the Bible and we study. We understand and we obey. And there is a dependency on God. And so then we had the question of what is righteousness? And we found out that righteousness is essentially a person. <laughs> it's a person. He is a person. Jehovah Sidkenu. And wherever Jesus Christ is in our hearts, that is where the kingdom is. That's essentially it. Because when he asked a question in Luke 17, verse 21, that we had earlier up, you know, and people, he said, it doesn't come. The kingdom of God doesn't come by observation that you can say it's there or here or what have you. The kingdom of God, he said, is among you. And he was passing a hint at that point in time because he was right there 
among the disciples, and he was basically saying, the kingdom of God is here because I am here, and we represent the Lord Jesus Christ. So there's a, there's a bit of a code there for us, too, that we can think about later on. So time is probably against us to look at most of these scriptures. If anyone wants to start looking some up, we can shout a couple out. Daniel 7 is quite an interesting one. Um, but basically, we went through what is a kingdom. So first of all, a kingdom has a king. You know, without a king, it's not a democracy. You don't always... We live in a democracy, and I'm glad we do live in a democracy, um, or a pseudo-democracy. Um, you know, and it has some checks and balances and things, but a, a true kingdom, there are very few left, maybe Saudi Arabia, maybe a couple of the other Arab things, maybe North Korea, if you want to put it that way, um, you know, where there is literally one, one man, one woman, one person in charge of that kingdom, and what they say goes. And the primary dispensation of how to be blessed, how to, how to do well in a kingdom is favour from the king. And Jesus died and the curtain was ripped in the temple so that we could have all participate in the favour of the king. You know, but we need as Christians to seek favour. Dominion realm? Yes, it's a dominion and realm. Back to that word again. Wherever the influence of Jesus exists, we were just singing his name. He's here with us right now. The Holy Spirit is here with us. But even when we leave this physical place, when we go back to our homes, we represent the Lord Jesus Christ. And so his domain and realm is wherever there is a sphere of his influence. Yes? And could somebody read Daniel 7? I want us to look at that. Daniel 7, verse 14. Thanks. Um, I'll read 13 as well, actually. Uh, In my vision at night, I looked, and there before me was one like a son of man coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the ancient of days and was led into his presence. And then this is the verse. He was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All peoples, nations, and men of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away, and his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. Wow. (laughs) That says it all, doesn't it? Yeah. Nobody can up that one. And so that is the Jesus that we serve, without apologies. Yes, I love that scripture. It just says it all, really. Okay, and there are other aspects of a kingdom. So just before we leave, so kingdom, king's domain. Kingdom, king domain. And spheres of influence. So there are spheres of influence that have a spiritual significance. Wherever God has placed you, whether your family, your workplace, your home, your church, is your sphere of influence. You know, and, and just ask God, say, how can I, how can I bring a blessing? How can I bring a word, you know? Um, and that's got nothing to do with you. That's got to do with him in you, right? As we dis- discussed at the start, seeking first the kingdom is a person. It's never about how good you are. It's about what he did on the cross. That doesn't mean he didn't love you fully as you are, but he uses you through his victory on the cross. So we are citizens. We are citizens of a kingdom. Every one of us is a citizen 
Do you want to do the legal bit? You're good at legal. Some people would probably, <laughs> some people would probably correct us and say we're subjects, which is a very interesting word because um, if you use it in the context of a king, it means basically that what the king says goes. Yeah, so we are citizens slash subjects. And what Drew and I did, we, we wanted you, if maybe later on you could um, have this to re reflect on it. Yes, because what we did, we wanted to share with you from the Old and New Testament so you can see that some of the, um, the scriptures are actually from both parts of the Bible, that you can see that the same principle has been there all along. And so we've got Deuteronomy 7, verse 6, calling out of Israel, etc., and Ephesians 3, verse 20, that's telling us that we are citizens. And then, of course... Um, <laughs> A kingdom has statutory laws and, and commandments, and um, basically to be, yes, we started with the Ten Commandments in the Old Testament, Exodus 20, that's where it was established, but then there's a new commandment that is given unto us to love each other, which is sometimes a challenge, if we be honest, yes? But my understanding is after all is said and done, and we haven't learned to love, we haven't learned anything, so he is the God of love. And we can't go wrong with that one. Yes? Okay. Uh, so we have, a, we have protocols. You have a communication system within the kingdom of God. How do you communicate with God? How do you communicate what God is doing to others? So you could have written many, many verses here. And, and you know, why don't people pray for revelation for themselves about their life and their things over some of these verses? Why don't you set... 20 minutes aside, half an hour aside during this week. Put it in the calendar. I can do it on Tuesday night. I can do it on Wednesday. But it would be really encouraged people to go deeper in the word, not just to come and turn up on a Sunday morning and, and be tickled, but to get into the word for themselves and ask God for something from yourself on that. And, you know, how, Lord, how do you want to... What are the things you put in my life? What are the protocols you put in my life? What are the... What are the you know, communication systems you have. And the primary delivery system, there are many ways that God speaks to people. I mean, I'm, I'm moving in prophecy and there are many ways, you know, but actually the primary way God speaks is through his word. And if you don't get into his word, and God will never contradict his word. You know, people come and ask for words that are just insane, you know, or people interpret things as words that are just completely off the wall you know that people come and say oh you know you get a word about you getting a new beginning that's great I've wanted I've wanted to know that God has said it was okay to leave my wife insanity right it's just insanity you know or you know you get a word about something they interpret it to fit their situation to feed their flesh if you're doing that it's not the way to interpret or use prophecy the word to do it is you get the word you understand the word and anything else fits against God's word. So that's a communication system. We put the telephone there because we figure it's a symbol that you can relate to, those beautiful red boxes that whenever you see them, people think of England and London. But when I was a child, we used to have a song. It was a kind of a, a, kind of a semi-calypso, and it was called the Royal Telephone. And basically it was talking about prayer and the fact that prayer is essentially a communication system. Yes? It is not about necessarily feeling holy or, or reading something that is long and, and you don't really quite understand. It's really prayer is essentially having conversation with God, being able to speak with him, yes, 
and being able to listen to what he says. And so that's the royal telephone. That is a higher technology. Everybody now is talking about um, digital technology. Prayer surpasses it. It is a high, high technology, and we all have access to it, and we all should be encouraged in our own way to use that technology and to see what God does in talking with us and in sharing with us his plan. And so I wanted to say that a kingdom has also a value exchange system. Remember when Jesus was confronted with um, one of the, the people around him and he asked him, he asked the guy whose image is on that coin and it was Caesar. So the guy answered correctly, yes. And he said, well, you go and give Caesar what is Caesar's and what's, what's God's is really God's. And of course, we are the ones with the image of God. We belong to him. We, have, we are the, what they call the imaho dei. We are the image of God himself. And so that is saying a lot. Caesar only had the coin, but everything else, the trees, the grass, the flowers, everything else, he was passing a hint indirectly, is actually his. So the, cur the currency of kingdom, some say, is faith. And, and I, I, believe, I believe that. I believe it is the way that we exchange, that we lay hold of what is supposed to be led, laying hold of, and that we exchange using faith. But don't want to stop uh, on that. So in this room at the moment are thousands and thousands of different airwaves. You could tune into the BBC, you could tune into Virgin, you could tune into Sky, you could tune into digital, you could tune into a million phones within this area. There are thousands of millions of airwaves in this very space. There's also the Holy Spirit. What are you tuning into? And I also believe, because his prayers will not return to him void, there are probably millions of prayers that still are resounding in the spiritual realm that if you know how to tap into, you can benefit from and you can reap from. The, you know, his prayer will not return to him void. We're go we need time is against us, but very quickly. Very interesting thing, isn't it? When John the Baptist's father... Um, Zachariah, when the angel appears to him, is in his 80s. He would have probably got married late 20s, maybe 30. His wife might have been a few years younger. They'd have prayed for a child, no child. They'd have prayed the next year for a child, no child. Five years, 10 years, 15 years. She's barren, I'm barren, there is no child. They'd have stopped praying. 40 years later, an angel turns up and says, your prayers were answered. 40 years later, 40 or 50 years later, an angel turns up, looks him in the face and says, your prayer has been answered. Still, it's still in the spiritual realm. You know, your communication system. <laughs> we wanted to emphasize that we are, our citizenship, which we know is in heaven, yes, is not ordinary. There's nothing ordinary about being a subject or a citizen of the Most High God. He says in his word... Uh, St. Paul speaking, therefore, if anyone be in Christ Jesus, he is a new creature. All things are made new. 2 Corinthians 5, 4, verse 14 to 21, really. And so the word new there actually means an upgrade. 
That's basically what it means. It's very easy to think about it as old versus new, past and present. That is not quite what it means. That's not essentially what it means. It means, as a new creature, that we are a new species, that we are an upgrade. And so we had, we thought one way of showing it, another British symbol, a mini. Yes, when I was a little girl, I used to go to school in a mini. And my goodness, getting out of it even as a child was an issue. But this is... This is the upgrade now. This is the Mini 2023. What are they call now? Mini Cooper. Mini Cooper, that's correct. Flipping expensive, huh? But it's the 2023 version, and that is essentially what the Lord Jesus Christ has done when he's died on the cross, and we have our sins taken away, but he has upgraded us. We are not just ordinary humans, and I want to stress that. I really want to stress that because I think it's the key to a lot of things that actually are happening in our lives and how we actually address them. We are not ordinary citizens. We make no apologies to anyone for that. You cannot have the King of Kings and Lord of Lords in your life. You cannot be subject to him. You cannot be a part of his kingdom and be ordinary. Yeah? And so I always say there is no need for a self-esteem problem if you're really connected with Jesus Christ. If you really understand what the gospel of Jesus Christ means and what it means outworking in your life, you should not have a self-esteem problem. It's just not really. It's, it's irrational. So we, we're going to park that and go on to another, <laughs> another perspective of new. So again, yeah, no pun intended there. Again, we are not ordinary. Yeah, so... In 2022, they discovered 15 new species. We're on nine so far this year. And uh, so they're still discovering God's world. You think that everything's known, it's not, you know. So we are a new species. So there you go, there is one. Somebody said this morning, I think it might have been Helen, somebody said they were talking about the work, that there's work to be done as citizens, as subjects of the king. And the primary work that he's left to us is mentioned in, um, in Mark 16, verse 15, but it's also the end of, of Matthew. He tells us to go into all the world and to preach the gospel. And the word there basically means proclaim, 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 proclaim the gospel. We do it essentially with our mouths, but we do it with our hands. We do it in every which way possible. We make a statement concerning this kingdom that is supernatural, that is first spiritual, but will not always only be spiritual. So this was the really, really important point for today. If nothing else you remember, the whole issue of identity is that as Christ bearers, yes, there was Christopher was here last week. I don't know if there are any Christophers in the room, but that's what the word Christopher means. It means Christ bearer. As Christ bearers, we are really the real, real royals. We are the royals. We have been given a royal mandate. We are essentially the God kind because we've got the spirit of God inside of us who has changed us, who is changing us, and who shall change us. We are essentially an upgrade of humanity. It sounds very, very narcissistic, but it isn't. It's just the plain truth. So when you think about your call and yourself right now, think, remember the mini clubman as an example. We are really an upgrade, and God wants us to hold on to that. First John 2 verse 3 tells us that we are now the sons of God, and it doesn't even yet appear what we shall be. 
All that we do know is that when he turns up, we're going to see him, which means that we will be just like him. So the physical upgrade is coming, folks, but that's really important to remember. We're also servants. The word is actually born safe, and we can get into that another time. We are called a kingdom of priests, Revelation 1, verse 6. Helen has been reading from Revelation a lot recently, and that's the book of our times right now and the book of Daniel. Um, truth tellers, we do truth. I, I can have a whole talk on the issue of truth and how it's been assaulted in society nowadays, but we do truth. We actually do it. Okay, we live truth. Philippians 4, verse 8 and 9 is wonderful. It says whatsoever. It tells us how to think so that our minds are, are being renewed. And it starts off by whatever is honest. It starts with truth, which is a challenge for us sometimes. But that's where it starts. It doesn't end. And it says think on these things and the God of peace will be with us. We're also friends of Jesus Christ, the most high, the majesty, which is amazing. We are being called friends, not because we call ourselves friends, but because he actually called us friends. That's what he said we are. And we are fighters. Last week, I think it was Jody that talked about us being warriors. That's essentially who we are. Um, so there'll be another time to get into this. Um, in Timothy, he tells him to hold on to the prophecies that were over his head and to use them to fight a good warfare. And that word there is the word strategy, which we can talk about another time, a very important word. It's a military term, but that's another time. And basically what we're going to try to do in the next 10 or so minutes is to write what is called a confession or intention prayer, prayer of confession or intention. Essentially, that sounds fancy, but it's essentially based on our identity as citizens of the kingdom of God, based on our identity as subjects, and based on scripture, on scripture, let's come up with anything that we think we would like to, to say, to confess, to declare about ourselves. It could begin, Christ is, yes, therefore, I am, I will, I can, I have, could be any of those beginnings that you can use, but essentially you're writing a prayer from your understanding of who you are in Christ. It's a declaration, and we get a chance to, to hear from each other what we think we would like to. You know, it might be something you want to go and, you know, look up some scriptures and, and look some scriptures up around something. Is there something there? And I really strongly suggest that you go for the one that you struggle with the most. You know, if you're struggling for healing, look up what Jesus says about healing. You know, if you're struggling to pay the bills... What does the kingdom say about money and, 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 and blessing? If you're struggling to feel accepted, if you have a sense of rejection in your life, what does the word say about being accepted in Christ? You know, Whatever you need is probably what you should feed on. You know, And I'll just say that, that I went years as a Christian never feeding on the areas that I really needed to feed on. And wondering why I always felt a sense of lack and a sense of 
inadequacy and a sense that I wasn't good enough because I never fed on the bits of the word that met those areas. So if you, if you have a need and you've had that need for a month, six months, two years, five years, ten years, all your life that you can remember, i give you a challenge. Are you going to sit here in a year's time and still have the same need? Because you have the ability and God has given the authority, he has torn the curtain from top to bottom and that curtain was something like six inches thick made of badger skins, right? And it got torn from top to bottom. So it's like tearing a sheet of steel, right? It got torn from top to bottom so that you had access into the Holy of Holies and into his presence. So therefore, if you have an identified need in your life, will you spend the time over the next 6, 12 months, a little bit of time here, half an hour there, 10 minutes here, 20 minutes there, an hour there, a morning here, an evening there. Can you turn off the TV for two hours and go, this is my area of need, I'm going to get my Google out, I'm going to get my phone out, and I'm going to start reading what Scripture says about my need. And if you do, date it and see where you are in a year's time. And if you spend a little time with God doing that, I guarantee you, you will be changed in a year. You do not have to be 10 years from now, 20 years from now, 30 years from now with that same need that you've had for the last decade. That is the power of the Word of God. The important point here is that it is an opportunity that we've done collectively to confess. Um, we are not sharing with you something that Drew and I, we don't do. Um, and so it's basically a poem that you've put together and you have the opportunity now, if you can get it photocopied, it could become a prayer of confession and you could share it with other people if you want. It would be good to hear one or two though, if you can. Yeah, let's... Um Let's hear one or two, or, or you know. I'll trust in the Lord at all times. That's Psalm 62, verse 8. Is that enough? A few? Okay. His rod and staff comfort me. Psalm 23, verse 4. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Philippians 4, 13. I'm a new creation, born again. The old is gone. I w I'll be led by the Holy Spirit. That's 2 Corinthians 5, 17. I'll cast my cares on him. 1 Peter 5, 7. Uh, and I will not be anxious about anything, but will present my requests to God with thanksgiving. Philippians 4, 6. Oh, and I now have a teachable spirit, so I will learn from the word of God. Uh, Michelle. Oh, no, sorry. <laughs> Some... Psalm 27, verse 11. <laughs> See, I like that. I really like that last one. I have a teacher's spirit. Do you want to do your one? I am a child of God. I have everything that I need. I am seated in heavenly places with Christ. God is not a man that he should lie. Therefore, everything he promises is true. I am loved with an everlasting love. I am a child of God. I will have everything I need. I am becoming who he says I am because God approves me for greatness. I am clothed with Christ and righteousness. 
I am sheltered, I am protected, I live in the shelter of the Most High. His hope will not lead to disappointment. God looks at me with a smile, he delights in me. And they've got scriptures. How many of us, how many of us really believe when we're messing up that God looks at us with a smile? How many of us really believe that? And how many of us still carry an authoritarian, performance-based father figure? You know, how many of us really believe? See, God so loved, right, the world. He didn't say he so loved the believers. He didn't say he so loved those people who'd received him. He didn't say those ones who were living holy. He said he so loved the world, the sinner, the person in the world. We were the world, we are the world, right? He so loved the world that he gave his only begotten. That's whoever, whoever, not just the ones who've received him, not just the ones who were good enough, not the ones who grew up in a Christian home. I didn't grow up in a Christian home. One more. Okay, we have, uh, thank you that your divine power has given me everything I need for life and godliness. Because I dwell in the secret place of the Most High, I abide under your shadow. I will say of you that you are my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Jesus is my Lord. I am a work in progress. You will perfect what you started. I am your child, holy, accepted and precious in your sight. I will still bear fruit in old age and be fresh and flourishing. I was once far away. Now I have been brought near by the blood of Christ. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So, Father, we thank you for these wonderful words of truth, of goodness, of power. Lord, we release them, Lord, even as we embrace them in our spirits. And we pray, Almighty God, that the fruit that cannot be removed, the fruit that is everlasting, will be to your honor and your glory in every home represented here, not just within our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 So I want to close on the scripture. From the days of John the Baptist till now, the kingdom of heaven has been advancing or suffering violence, and the violent take it by force. What does that mean? The violent take it by force. I believe violence is a word here for faith. Right? When you have faith, you do violence to the enemy. When you have faith, you do violence to sickness and overcome it. When you have faith, you do violence to poverty and you overcome it. When you have faith, you do violence to rejection and you overcome it. We're called to be violent. There's an interesting scripture in Matthew 18, I think it's around about 8, that when Jesus is lamenting, he says, when he comes back, will he find faith on earth? The answer is, yes, he will. Yes, he will. Right? That he will find people of faith. And people who think that they don't have faith, I want to challenge that. In Mark, it talks about the, the, the poor widow that gave more than anyone else her faith. And so there are people here who are stepping up and stepping into faith. What you've put in front of you today is a declaration. A declaration. Tony and I are doing the declaration at the moment. We started a few weeks ago. We're doing it. We try and do it every morning. We've got a declaration that we've set a year aside to do every single morning for a year. 
to make it part of us, to make it part of you. And I'm challenging us as a church to go deeper. I'm challenging us as a church to come into the things that are deeper. You know, one of the things we spoke in Australia on is, is what's, what's stronger, five or one? If there are five of you or one of you, which is stronger? Five? Any, anyone else? I'm a boxer. I used to be a boxer. One. One is stronger than five. God is calling a five-fold church. And if you don't operate as a five-fold church, you're punching like that, you break your fingers. That's why my little finger's bent, because I didn't punch with a proper fist once, and it snapped my finger. God is calling us to do violence to the kingdom. He's calling us to step out in faith. If there's one thing that you need to remember from your list, only take one if you need to. And I will do this this week. I will declare this over my friends. I will declare this over my family. I will declare this in the heavenlies. I will declare this over God's kingdom. I will declare this over my church. I will declare this over my loved ones. I will declare this over myself. I'm going to do violence this week in the kingdom of God.